On this week's Adam Schefter podcast, the NFL draft is now just over one week away, and we've got four potential first-round draft picks on the podcast today. LSU linebacker Devin White stops by to talk about where he may land. Alabama offensive tackle Jonah Williams, who views himself as a top-10 pick, joins us, as does Florida State defensive end Brian Burns and Clemson defensive tackle Christian Wilkins for the top prospects in the 2019 NFL Draft. Join us, starting with LSU linebacker Devin White. Devin, how is the world tour going? Uh, I think the world tour is great for me. You know, I'm going to see a lot of beautiful cities that I've never seen before in my life. I'm thankful for the NFL for this opportunity. <laughs> like what? What cities jump out to you that you've never been to before? New York. You've never been to New York before? Ever in my life. So what do you think? I think it's beautiful. Uh, I don't know yet about if it's a great place to live, but I'm pretty sure I can get accustomed to it. Devin, it's a different place to live. It's very different than Baton Rouge. It's very different than any other place in the country. It has the best and worst of everything. (laughs) I don't want to know about the worst right now. We just stick with the best. Well, what stood out to you about seeing New York for the first time? I just say all the tall buildings, man. It's like it's, it's really nice, and then people were saying it was cold, but it's forty something degrees, and you know that's not really cold to me. I can I can live with that. But all the buildings, you know, I, I haven't got the tour yet, but I'm gonna take a stroll and I'm gonna get to see Times Square or something, and I'll probably be excited, overwhelmed with joy. <laughs> and where else have you not seen Devin? Sure, a lot of places. Any any state you name, I probably haven't been there. You know. If LSU football played in the state, then I went there. But besides that, I really haven't been nowhere. Well, well, you're going to get that opportunity now. So you've been to Nashville before, correct? Oh, yeah, I've been to Nashville before. And you're going to be going to Nashville again for this draft, correct? Correct. And now, listen, when I talk to people, I remember speaking to a head coach last week, and he's like, he's watching all the film of everybody, and he goes, I got to tell you, the one guy that I love, Devin White, guy just is incredible. And when you talk to people around the league, they are – incredibly impressed with your abilities and you now have the chance to become the first linebacker drafted in the top five since the Oakland Raiders picked Khalil Mack with the number five pick in 2014 what would it mean to you to go into the top five and he he was an outside linebacker though correct yeah correct yeah so it'll mean it'll mean you know the narrative is changing about an inside linebacker, you know, and how much they mean to a franchise. And, you know, I just want to be the first to get picked. And, and, and I know it'll pay off. And a team behind me, you know, in the years to come, we see, like, maybe we need to go that route and get some of these newer type of linebackers that, that are really versatile. And, you know, it'll just set the tempo, you know, for the guys that play just like me coming behind me. You know, and I know a few guys that stick out that go to the same college as me. Uh, so I'm just ready to be the one to be the difference uh, maker. It's not a lot of linebackers that have gone in the top five or top ten when we look at the list. And I don't know if you're aware of these guys, but when we talk about top five linebackers in the past ten years, Von Miller went to the Broncos, number two overall pick in 2011. The Seahawks drafted Aaron Curry, number four, in 2009. And then we got a bunch of guys going a little bit later, Roquan Smith, eighth to the Bears last year. Uh, the Bears in 2016, Leonard Floyd, ninth in 2014. The Vikings, Anthony Barr, ninth. Uh, the Panthers, Luke Keekley, ninth in 2012. Yeah. And the Raiders, Rolando McClain, eighth in 2010. So there's not a lot of guys there, not a lot of linebackers, certainly in the top five or even in the top ten. Yeah, so you got to be a real special player if you're getting that type of look. You know, you got to be a game-changing type of player. Well, you got to be a culture-changing type of player. And I feel like that's what most people that – you know, don't really know me, don't talk about it. It's just the leadership that I bring to a team, you know, the impact that I have even outside the field, you know, even when we're not playing football, just, you know, in the meeting room, like when it was at LSU in the classroom, just how I always had my guys, like, basically dialed in 140%. So how do you, as a rookie linebacker in the NFL, change the culture? Like, that's that's a big statement. I've spoken to a lot of players and I haven't heard very many of them talk about changing the culture. 
Yeah, but um, I'm, I won't go, I won't go in whatever team I get drafted by. You know, I'm gonna go in with a positive attitude. I'm not gonna go in trying to demand nothing. You know, first off, I'm gonna you know gain everybody respect by showing them that I'm a hard worker and that my end goal is a championship. And I and I bet you a hundred percent that everybody can you know uh, gravitate towards me then. And and then when I win the guys over, you know, just the constant leadership, the constant. Um, excellent play on the field and just, you know, having everybody back when things not going right, you know, I'm going to be the guy that's going to try to motivate everybody because as a middle linebacker, that's what I do. And, you know, once those guys start believing in me, then, you know, I start preaching what I preach about, you know, winning and, you know, just effort and, and all that. And, man, we I feel like we'll be a team that can make a run for it every year, you know, as long as I'm there because, you know, my whole end goal is a championship. So, yesterday somebody asked me, would I rather be a top five pick or win a, or be a, you know, just a regular first round pick and win a championship next year? And I say I'll most definitely be a bottom pick and win a championship, you know, because that's all, that's all that matters, man. At the end of the day, you know, you, you, you just as good as you play. And if I feel like if I'm playing good and I'm on a, and I win a championship, then I, I completed something. And then once I get that feeling, I'm going to want to get it again. I'm going to want to stay at the top, you know, just like Tom Brady. He, he win and he want to keep winning. He don't win and retire. You talk about all this leadership and culture and all these great things, the intangibles that I haven't heard very many rookies talked about. Where do you learn that from, Devin? I mean, it's just, you know, just me as a person, um, the coaching staff I had at LSU, you know, Coach O, Coach Miranda, they kind of instilled it in me, you know, in order for LSU to, you know, do what we did last year, you know, start back. I ain't going to say turn the season around, but win as many games as we're supposed to win, even though we, we, won, we lost some, we should have won. You know, it was it was us heading in the right direction, and I feel like I played a big part of that. You know, just by feeding off those guys and getting the information up from those guys who kind of been in that situation before. You know, been around great players, and you know, I took it and you know, I had the mindset like, you know, I'm gonna do this, and there's gonna be a part of my game forever. Who are some of the inside linebackers in the NFL that you have looked up to and tried to pattern your game after? Um, man, most definitely always. You know, watch Ray. And I took a lot from him, you know, just his Ray big, Lewis. Ray Lewis. Yeah, his big yeah, his big execution on effort. Something that you can't teach. You know, you can't coach effort and that's been one thing, you know, I've always been a guy with a big motor. And I think, you know, it kinda even stood out more because me watching tapes on him and, you know, re- me reading his book. And another guy is Patrick Willis, man. That's a guy who, who just wanted to dominate the game and and all phases and that's me. You know, I wanna dominate the game. I wanna be the most impactful player on the defense, you know, you know, Devin White just made a game change in play. And, you know, three other guys is Luke Keekley, hmm. Deion Jones with Atlanta, and now Corn Alexander with the San Francisco 49ers. Those are also guys that I look up to and, you know, guys I get to talk to on a daily basis and, you know, just pick their brain and, you know, see how they make it and see what they look for and, you know, just get little Deion from them. See, if you're patterning your game after Quan Alexander, you are aware of the payday that he got from San Francisco, right, Devin? Yeah, he, I mean, he did a good job. I mean, he, you know, he, he played well. And Dion Jones, and when, I, when it's his time, he'll be in that bracket as well. There's a lot, there's some good money going around to linebackers. See, that's what's at stake for you if you can just take care of your business, which it certainly sounds like you're going to, and do your job the right way, which it sounds like you're going to, and all that awaits for you in the future. Yeah, I know. So I try not to think about that right now because I know I got a lot of work. I know I got to establish myself as a great pro and for the next four to five years. And I feel like I'll be in that range because at the end of the day, I'm going to control what I can control on my end. That's being able to be a great teammate, a great person, and a, and a great player, you know, for the organization that I go to. And I feel like that will um, carry me to where those guys are in the next, uh, in the near future. You have an idea of where you're going, don't you? I wish I did. I'll tell you right now, I, I stopped taking these visits and, you know, I'll just sit at home and wait till the draft and go up there and, and wear the same color suit as a team <laughs> so I can match with the hat and the jersey when I get it. But unfortunately, it don't work like that. Because I read online that, and I'm quoting you, that there's one team out there that, quote, really, really loves you. Now, listen, I think there are a lot of teams that really, really love you, but there's probably yeah. one team that really, really loves you maybe in the top five, maybe with a chance. Like, we've heard a lot of Tampa Bay talk. Let's not beat around the bush here. With the Bucks need at linebacker, they lose Quan Alexander. They've got the top five pick. 
that would make a lot of sense. Might that have been the team that you were intimating, or is it somebody else? No, I think it's another team. But like you just said, that team makes a lot of sense. And, you know, if I'm still, you know, I hope they take me, you know, because that will that um that have made my my goal come my goal come true because it was never a dream. You know, I, I wrote it down and it's something I wanted to accomplish. So if they if I slip to them and they take me there, then I feel like you know I accomplished my goal and then it'll be time to get to work. But hey, we shall see. And if that team and if that and if the team that I kind of hinted at that I felt like really 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 liked me took me on draft night, then I let the world know that hey, I had a good thought. Did you write down your goals? Devin, as certain things that you want to get done here in the NFL, what is that about? Yeah, I always, um, I always write down goals, you know, things that I'm chasing. And, you know, at the end of the day, the ultimate goal is the championship. But I also write down the byproduct that come with winning a championship. So if I'm on a championship team, most likely, most likely I can be an all-pro caliber player, a pro bowler, and, you know, uh, be, you know, defensive rookie of the year and things of that nature. So uh, the it's always a uh, Super Bowl now that I'm in it, going to the NFL. But I'll, I'll also write down the byproducts. So when I was at LSU, it was to make the SEC championship, to be a uh, college football Final Four team and win it. But the byproduct was to win the buckets, win the Tug Benary, win, uh, be first team All SEC, be first team All American. Hmm. And I just check things off as I go. And and the goal is always to go one and zero every week. And what's the next goal on that list, Devin? The goal for right now is to be a top five pick. Yep, well, there you go. And it I sounds like that's list. possible. I out, look, I checked all the boxes off at the, for the combine. My combine goes, you know, I checked every single box. Uh, so besides one, one I had like a plus minus on, that was to jump a true 40-inch vertical. I went 39 and a half, and I know, and I know I'm a 40-inch vertical guy. But, you know, that was probably the only, the only um, oh, and besides my broad jump, I was expecting a 10-4, and I didn't get that. So I didn't get to check those two boxes, but, now I gotta focus on the next box, the next box that I can control, and that's by me solidifying myself as a top five draft pick in this draft. And I think that that has a very good chance of happening. Now, Devin, let me ask you: at LSU, it's a real football factory. Who's the one guy that you've played with there that you are convinced is going to be great at the next level? I know you haven't played at the next level yet, but is there one guy that just impressed you? You said this guy's got NFL stardom written all over him. That's in the NFL now or that's at LSU still? It could be either or, to be perfectly frank. Well, I'll give you both. Okay. And I'll give you, and I'll give you two that's in the NFL that I know going to be Hall of Fame type guys, and that's Jamal Adams and Leonard Fournette. When it's, whenever he get himself healthy, which I believe he is now because we talk all the time, and the guy that's going to make a big splash in the draft next year if he decides to come out, and that will be Grant Delpit, number nine. And what position is he? I, I don't know him. You forgive me for not Safety. knowing that. Safety. Number nine, Grand Devil. Well, he's number seven this year. He just changed his number. He's putting on the, the lucky number seven. And what what stands out about him? Man, his, his last year, his playoff, well, he started, his, he was like only, one of the only two freshmen that ever started at LSU, like full-time in the defensive back room. And, you know, they pride themselves on being DBU, so freshmen don't come in and just start. you got to earn it. And last year, man, the guy just took his game to a whole nother level. He ended up having five sacks, five five picks, and over 60 tackles. Hmm. And, I mean, that's kind of crazy for a safety. Like, you know, he was an All-American. Uh, no, he was a unanimous All-American. You know, he was first team all SEC. And, you know, I don't think he's going to get any worse from last year to wow. this upcoming year. So just be looking out for him. Now, is there one opponent that you've gone against that you said, man, this guy's got it going on? And this guy is going to excel at the next level too. Who's the opponent that jumps out to you in that category? Um, man, a guy that I always felt like was going to be a good guy in the NFL. That would have to be the running back from Texas and them, Trayvon Williams. That guy, man, he plays hard for that, for his team. He's an extra effort guy, and every time we competed, you know, he's a guy that moves out and play receiver. You know, he catches passes out the backfield. He runs downhill. He runs sideways. And me and him always had a tough going every time we played each other. So I feel like he'll do big things in the NFL, and I'm looking forward to – hopefully like he could be on my team, but I'm looking forward to uh, being able to uh, see him grow in the NFL. Hmm. Now, Devin, last thing before I let you go, what would be – we talked about goals. What is your goal for your rookie year for whichever team winds up picking you here in the upcoming draft? 
Well, my, my ultimate goal is, like I said, always the end result, which is a championship. So for the NFL to be a Super Bowl and the byproduct, you know, I want to be over 120 tackles. You know, I want to have at least five sacks. Uh, I put three picks in there, um, a bunch of tackles for loss. I'm always over 12 tackles for loss. Um, anything under 12 tackles for loss is a, is a man, it, it'll make me mad. And, you know, just be an ultimate leader, you know, on the field for the team. And, you know, be defensive rookie of the year, first team all pro and a pro bowler. I mean, that's that's a complete dream season. And I'm not dreaming right now. I'm working on it, working on fulfilling those goals. So uh, I'm working now. I'm gonna be working after the draft and I'm gonna be working all the way into the first game. And I hope this game we can show. Well Devin, I see why teams like you so much. I see why people are so impressed. We'll be following you, tracking you, watching you, and wish you the very best of luck in the upcoming draft in Nashville. Thank you. God bless. And that was LSU linebacker Devin White. Now, Alabama offensive tackle Jonah Williams. Jonah. How you doing? What is this whole process like for you right now? We got a couple of weeks leading up to the draft. We nervous? We excited? What are we? I'm excited for the for after the draft. I'm excited <laughs> to know what team I'm on and start playing football again. This whole pageant process is kind of drawing on a little bit. When you say pageant process, what do you mean by that? I just mean that it's, it, I haven't played football since January, you know, and it's just we've been doing everything except football since then. And at the end of the day, that's what the NFL is about. It's a professional football league. It's about can you play football or can't you play football? And uh, so I'm just looking forward to getting back to that. Jonah, what has stood out to you about this pageant process of going to the combine, meeting with teams, your pro day, the workouts, the visits, the meals, everything that you've done – when you think back on this time, what will stand out to you? I mean, I think that there's certainly a lot of a lot of really good experiences I've had and a lot of, you know, dreams coming true, so to speak. This is the first time, you know, that I've been able to sit across from NFL teams and talk football with the highest level of football there is, you know, and I think that that's, that's been a really exciting, exciting thing. Like at the combine, I had the chance to meet with 20 different teams and be able to sit down across from all these head coaches, GMs, O-line coaches, anyone and watch film, get up on the whiteboard and just talk about football. And that's, that's what I love doing. That's what I'm passionate about. And so there's certainly, you know, been a lot of positives there. Obviously the negatives are just kind of the, the overexposure on, you know, um, any, it's just kind of. I feel like we we get into overanalyzing guys. And <laughs> I know the NFL is different than uh, college, but if you if you can produce, you can produce, and that's where I think it should be all. What you it would, should be you about. wouldn't be talking about your arm length, would you? No, no way. Yeah, Never. see, I love this. You know, it's one of the great things, right? So your arms at the combine measure thirty three and a half inches long. Now. Scouts, five eighths. Give me that eighth of okay, an inch. Excuse me, excuse me, Jonah. Thirty-three and five yeah. eighths inches. I don't want to cost you. you what is the difference between eighth a of an, an inch? Yeah. An eighth of an inch. I don't want to cost you an eighth of an inch, Jonah. No way. No, I could grow my nails out, and maybe I'd be a good football player. <laughs> I don't know. So your arms measure thirty-three and five eighth inches, and teams prefer their tackles to have at least thirty-four and a half inch arms, and yet you started forty-four games. In three years at Alabama, you started all 15 mm-hmm. games at right tackle as a true freshman in 2016 before moving to left tackle and opening all 29 contests as a sophomore and junior. Now, correct if I'm wrong, consensus All-American in 2018, two-time first-team All-SEC choice, won the SEC Jacobs Blocking Trophy winner as the conference best offensive lineman last season. Shame on you for having 33 and 5-8 inch arms. Shame on you. <laughs> No, I mean, that's that's what I'm saying, and I think, you know, when this process is over, people will kind of forget about that, and it's just going to be, what what can I do on the field, you know, with the team I end up on, and at the Combine, I, I think I listed a handful of future Hall of Fame-type guys, you know, any the guys I listed were anywhere from starting NFL tackles all the way up to guys like Joe Thomas and Staley, you know, future Hall of Fame guys, most likely, and it's just, I, I mean... I think it's just kind of absurd because um, it's all about, I mean, like I said, it's a production business. It's all about production. 
Um, I didn't give up any sacks this year. I think I gave up one sack as a junior. So one sack in 29 games as a left tackle playing in the SEC West, going to the playoffs, the national championship every year, just playing some elite guys. And so, I I mean, like, I, I think that's what it comes down to. I think NFL quarterbacks don't want to be sacked, you know, and these DNs are incredible. And I think they want to have a guy who's proven that he can do it at the highest level possible in college and then I just wanted to prove that I have the makeup that I can I can continue this at the next level because you know I know it's different I know it's tougher and I just want to prove that you know I have the makeup I have the intangibles I have that X factor that that teams are going to want to have out of their linemen. What is that X factor? I think it's just the willingness to to do more you know to work harder to outwork the next guy um, in any any conceivable way. I mean I, I want to be stronger than the next guy i want to be faster quicker more athletic and to the best of my ability those are things that you know i can control to some extent as far as weight room and field work and stuff like that and then i want to extremely excel in the things that i can control that being my preparation my technique my attention to detail my film watching studying my opponent understanding what they do, their strengths, their weaknesses, and then knowing how I can combat that and how I can take advantage of their weaknesses and try to nullify their strengths. That's where I want to, that's where I want to separate myself. And I mean, it gave me a huge leg up in college and I'm looking forward to, you know, pushing that even further at the next level. Listening to you talk, John, I cannot imagine that any team came away uh, thinking, boy, uh, this is a guy that has arms that are way too short for me. I can't have him play tackle on our team. It's just hard for me to imagine. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's what I want to prove. And, you know, I, I think sometimes it can get misconstrued a little bit because there, there's some teams that have their guy. They have the left tackle that they want or they have the right tackle that they want. They have their guys. And so when they talk to me, they'd say, oh, yeah, I think we'd put you somewhere else because we have these guys. I, I haven't really had a team tell me, well, we don't think you can play there. You know, it's mostly just been we have our guys. Would you be willing to play somewhere else to get the five bets on the field? And so that's kind of the situation that's been as if teams need a guy, then I'm their guy. If teams don't, then they want to put me somewhere else. So that's something I totally understand and more than willing to do. And how would you feel about playing guard if it came to that at the NFL level, Jonah? If it came to that and they have their guy, I just want to be on the field. I want to be one of the five best. I want to be playing. I want to be able to apply, you know, this determination that I have to whatever position I end up at. Um, My whole hang up with this is I just don't want people sitting here telling me I can't do something because my arms need to be, you know, half an inch longer, five eighths of an inch longer, whatever it is. I just think that's a silly thing to say to me like it it discredits everything that I've worked my entire life for you know and so that's where I get frustrated about it it's not I don't think it's like a demotion to have to play a different position I just think that I don't want people to tell me that you know that I can't do something because I worked myself to be able to do it and like I, I know I can do it so I'm happy to play a different position I'll apply everything that I've worked for to that position but I just wanted to be known that I can play the other ones. You mentioned Joe Thomas and the fact that he has shorter arms than you, and you had the chance to meet Joe Thomas at the combine. I believe he even gave you a signed autographed jersey from 173 to another 73. What advice did he have for you, Jonah, that stayed with you? Yeah, I mean, I think that the the biggest thing with him is, I I mean, I I try to – correlate a lot of my game to his because I I believe he's one of the best to ever do it if not the best to ever do it at the left tackle position and you know the biggest thing that he does is just it's all about technique for him you know and I think that he's a guy who really breaks down his opponents he has a notebook of all the different guys that he faces on a routine basis in the NFL just Every year he plays them, adds some things to it, adds some adds some stuff that he can do to to combat what they do, um, and that's something that I I've tried to do as well in college. And you know I have spreadsheets on guys and I have tons of notes and everything I can possibly do to you know try to try to beat guys specifically and find what they're good at and beat that, um, you know. And then I think the other thing about Joe is that he also because I think you can kind of get put into a box. You know, and I think some people try to put me in a box. They try to put him in a box as far as just being a technician. Yeah, this guy's just a smart guy, cerebral guy. He's a technician. But I think as an O-lineman, you have to have a little bit of dog in you. You know, you have to be nasty. You have to you have to make the people not want to play you. 
I think Joe was able to do that. You know, you see these run run blocks where he comes down and dislodges people's hips, climbing up to linebackers and stuff like that. Like just getting physical on second level guys, getting physical on DNs and trying to manhandle people. I think that's a big part of the game as well, and that's something I try to pride myself in. You at Alabama went and played with a lot of great teammates. And basically, I'm curious to know, with all the great talent that the school produces, who has stood out to you and made a mark on you and made you think, boy, this guy's going to be great at the NFL level? Um, I think my freshman year coming in and trying to start right away and competing against that 2016 defense, I mean, I learned a lot. You have to learn quickly when you're playing against those guys every day in practice. And I think there's a good mix on that defense of guys who, you know, just want to take someone's head off, you know, and that's just that ball hawking defensive mentality. Um, guys like Ryan Anderson, just Ruben Fosry's physical guys who just want to come downhill and take someone's head off. And then you have guys like Dalvin Tomlinson, who's somebody who's all about technique. He's all about, he was a wrestler, you know, in high school and he's just able to control the, the cylinder of O-lineman's bodies with his hand placement and his hips. He, he keeps his hips really low, always gets his hands inside and it's hard to dislodge him from the point, you know, when he's playing that four-eye spot or whatever they have him playing in the NFL now. Um, then John Allen was, you know, very technical. He was a guy who had moves and had responses to everything, but he's also a guy who's strong and could hold the point. You know, there's a bunch of guys from that year, you know, we guys like Rashawn Evans and Minka from last year who were, you know, smart guys, understood the scheme of the defense, studied their opponents, were perfectionists. I mean, I'd see I'd see both of them in the weight room at all the odd hours that I was trying to go in there and get some extra work too. Um, and then, you know, other guys from our offense, like, you know, some of the running backs we've had, Damian, I think always did a good job of understanding the schemes as far as pass blocking goes, as well as any of the linemen did, um, you know, knowing who to pick up and stuff like that. Um, Jalen, uh, as far as his, it was just coolness under pressure. And that's the biggest thing I took from him. I mean, it's just, it's a, it was a blessing to play with all those guys and, there's so many things that you can you can pick and choose from them and then try to try to apply them to my own game. And I know we're a year away, but and I know you haven't played in the NFL level yet. But what kind of quarterback do you expect Tua to be at the next level? I think he's going to be great. I mean, I think it's obvious what he's been able to do in college. Um, he's a guy who was able to to unlock a lot of the potential that I think we had on the offense. You know, as, as far as how good our receivers are, how good our running backs are. Like, obviously, extremely talented guys. But I think that Tua was a guy who made all of us look good, you know. And he's extremely accurate, has great touch on the ball, great anticipation, and is able to thread that needle um, as well as anyone I've ever seen at the college level. Um, So I'll be interested to see what he does this year. It's a different OC, a little bit more full progression stuff, which translates better than NFL. But, you know, I have every reason to believe he's going to be a top quarterback at the next level. And, Jonah, of all the people that you went up against during your time at Alabama, who was the guy that kept you up at night? Um, I mean, that's, that's why I chose to go to Alabama is to play all these, all these freaky guys, you know, in the, uh, in the SEC West. I mean, there's, there's a lot. I think that, you know, as far as keeping me up at night, like I said, I gave up one sack in, in two years at left tackle, so I'd like to think I won my share of battles. Not to say I haven't lost plenty of plenty of reps. I've definitely lost some. You know, it's hard not to playing against guys like that. Um, I can't really think of any specific names off the top of my head, but just knowing the teams that we played, you know, in the in the SEC West, Mississippi State always had great D lines. LSU, Auburn, Georgia, Clemson, you know, teams we played on a routine basis that, that are putting out, you know, NFL talent and, you know, future first-round picks um, at, at many spots on that D-line. If it was only two sacks that you gave up, who would you give up the two sacks to? Um, I gave up a sack to uh, Farrell in my uh, sophomore year yep. when we played them. And that, that was the only sack I gave up um, in two years at left tackle. Mm-hmm. I think I gave up a couple, like mm-hmm. three or four in my freshman year. And I don't really remember what those were. I think some of them were scheme. I think that, you know, uh, one time it was loud at Old Miss and I didn't get the right call and I didn't ask to clarify it, which I should have done. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I gave up a sack scheme-wise that way. Um, well, but, yeah, yeah, that was the only sack I gave up at left tackle. You know why Farrell beat you, right? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I over, I overcommit on the play or not the players on the RPO. I, I blocked for the run too hard and I went out and tried to be physical on him and kind of ducked my head. I was up on my toes and he swam inside of me. Yeah. Um, the short arms yeah. will get you every time, Jonah, every time. Yeah, that, that's definitely what it was on that play. No way it was what I just said. Hey, Jonah, you got to guess a prediction as to where you might wind up, a feeling after all these meetings and all this work and all this time? Any idea? I mean, I think there's a handful of teams that need a tackle or just need O-line in general um, in the top 10 that have me as their top guy. Um, so I'd be very surprised to fall out of there. Ooh. And we got a team? So we've narrowed it down to the top ten. Jacksonville mm-hmm. would be logical. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tampa could use somebody. The Jets could mm-hmm. use somebody if they trade back. Yep. Although you know the three, you know, that'll be interesting. I'm trying to think who else is in the top ten there. Uh, Den- Denver, Buffalo, Buffalo, definitely. Need. How would you feel about going to Buffalo? Be awesome. I mean, had the chance to. Uh to meet their coaching staff at the Combine and at Pro Day. And obviously, I know Coach Dable um, going back to Alabama days. So um, I like what they're doing up there. They have a really talented young quarterback, have a bunch of pieces, and be fun to be part of that. And it's a football city. They love their football up mm. there. They love their team. Well, it's going to be fun to watch, Joan. I really appreciate taking the time today. Lots of luck. And congratulations on all your success so far. And good luck achieving more. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Now to Florida State defensive end, Brian Burns. Brian. What's going on? What is taking up most of your time during this process? What is this like? Because I know to schedule this was quite an ordeal. Like you were always busy every single day. Um, throughout the process, most most of the time I'm either talking to teams as far as like going on visits, scheduling visits, scheduling dinners with teams that come see me. And uh, I'm just trying to fit in working out throughout all those visits. That's pretty much it. So who are some of the people we've met during these visits that have impressed you or wowed you? Um, so far I've met the Titans, the Cardinals, um, the Panthers, the Bills, the Colts, and I have some teams lined up after this. Um, but so far I really, I really like when I went to go visit Carolina, I really liked the city and um, the facility and the coaches. That was really cool. What was it about that facility and city that you liked most, Brian? I mean, my brother played there already, so I was kind of familiar with it. Um, the coaches, the coaches were really cool, and uh, I met Luke, um, Luke Quigley, uh going up on the elevator, and that was pretty nice. I got to pick his brain a little bit, so it was a fun visit overall. What did he have to say to you, Luke Keekley? I was asking him like, uh, like how, how is he so smart on the field? Um, throughout all these years, he's he just been able to be successful. I just want to know how he did it and, and really um, the time he put into it. And he was just telling me about how much film he watched, how serious he takes football. And uh, he was just giving me a couple pointers. But uh, it was it was, it was was very helpful. Brian, you said your brother played in Carolina? Yeah, my brother played in Carolina. Who was your brother? Forgive me for not knowing this. Who was your brother? No, no, it's fine. Um, his name is Stanley McClover. Oh, really? For about two two. Two, two years, I think. Maybe two or three. Two years. And what did Stanley tell you about playing in Carolina? Oh, he loved it. Um, that was one of the best times of his life. I mean, he got to play under a, a great player, a legend. Uh, Julius Peppers learned a lot from him. And, um, yeah, he loved playing in Carolina. Did you ever go watch him play a game there? Yeah, I was I was younger, though. I was real young. So I don't really remember that much. But, um, yeah, we have a big age gap. Well, how old were you when you were going to that stadium back then? Do you remember? Jeez, uh, maybe seven. I don't know. Maybe and is there anything? Eight, you're, is there anything you remember about it? I remember the atmosphere was pretty wild. Um, there was a lot of there was a lot going on. <laughs> I remember that uh, going. That was my first uh, NFL game, I believe. Wow! How about that? Now, Brian, as a freshman. You led all FBS freshmen with nine and a half sacks. And last year, you led the squad with 15 and a half tackles for a loss and 10 sacks en route to becoming first team all ACC. But what I noticed is that after every sack, you do the Spider-Man pose. What, what is that about? Oh, uh, just growing up as a kid, I always loved Spider-Man. I love everything he, he really did. I mean, 
he was just a cool character. I mean, I used to read some of the comics, and then once the movies came out, I was tuned into the movies. So Spider-Man has always been a part of me, a part of my life. And then I had looked at a little vine online, and, and there was a dude on the porch, and he did a Spider-Man pose. And I just brought it to the field. I don't know how it happened, but everything happened for a reason. So how? So when did you start this Spider-Man pose business? Uh, college. Um, this 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 past season was when I when I first started doing it. I mean, I always loved them, but I never thought about doing the pose for a celebration. But I'm glad I did because it kind of blew up. And how did it blow up? But how did you know that people were noticing it, Brian? Oh, no. one day I just posted it. I posted it on online. Actually, somebody took a picture and they posted. I seen it. I got it and I posted it on my social media. But it was already blown up when they posted it. And I seen some people trying to do the, um, trying to mock the pose. And ever since then, I mean, that's that's when I really realized like that was a a big pose and it was it was a, a really epic picture. So I got to continue to do it. So it will continue to go on in the NFL. When you get a sack in the NFL, we're going to see the Spider Man pose. Oh, most definitely. Oh, most definitely. <laughs> it's a Spider Burns pose. <laughs> Spider Burns pose. Excuse me. Yeah. Remember that, Spider Burns. And do the coaches ask you about the Spider Burns pose? Yeah, when I first did it, you know, looking from looking from their perspective, they couldn't really tell what I was doing on the floor. And they was like, what was that? And I was like, Coach, you'll see later. You'll see later. And I was just I was praying somebody got a picture of it. And God willing, somebody got a picture. Then I showed him. He was like, oh, yeah, man, that's cool. So, yeah, man, everybody everybody supports the Spider Burns, and I'm, I'm all for it. Now, again, let's go back to your childhood. Do you remember – reading Spider-Man comics, seeing Spider-Man move Like, where did this obsession come from, do you think? Um, I, it probably came from, it probably came from the comics a little bit. Um, <clears throat> I didn't read a lot, a lot of comics back in my day, but I remember, uh, I got a, I got one comic and it was about him. And then, um, once I read that, I fell in love. And then once the movies came out, I just loved the way he, he moved. Like he was agile. He was quick. Uh, he shot the webs, his arms, he was long. I mean, everything, it was nothing not to like about him. And then I also relate all of his attributes and his characteristics to my game. So that makes it even better. Brian, you got to patent that phrase, Spider Burns. Spider Burns, I got to patent it. Well, you got to do two things, actually. You got to patent the phrase, and then you've got to play up to that level to make that phrase worthwhile and valuable. Like, you can't just That's patent it. the phrase... Yeah. And then not play great in the NFL because then it doesn't matter that you patented it. You're right. Yeah, most definitely. What's it going to take to play to that level? Do you think? Um, just really dedicating a lot of time, working hard. You know, uh, coming in as a rookie. You know, a lot of rookies don't know a lot, so I think the main thing is going to be really picking the veterans' brains and really understanding the game and understanding how they. Got so much success, and I feel like that's going to be one of the main parts. I mean, I can't just rely off athleticism and just being better than people anymore. Because when you get once you get to that league, everybody's that dude. So I feel like those are going to be the main parts, and just just doing things off the field. I mean, film study, everything plays a big part besides just going on the field. So I feel like those are the main parts that's going to help you succeed. So basically, at the combine, Brian, you're six foot five, two hundred and forty nine pounds. And yet you still ran a 4.53 second 40-yard dash, which was the second fastest of any designated edge player there. That time surprised you? No, not at all. Um, I was really expecting to run a 4.5 area, I mean, in the low 4.5. So it was expected. But um, that just goes to show you what a great job Exos did and all the hard work I put in throughout the process. How much... Of your success, your sacks, your moves are based off your speed. Throughout college, pretty much everything. Uh, I mean, I mean, I, I'm not gonna say everything, but mostly everything. I mean, I do everything off of speed. My technique comes in the hand a lot, but um, I base everything off speed. My get off and just my my ability to be quick, my my natural quickness. You know, last summer, your defensive end coach Mark Snyder compared you to Miles Garrett in terms of your get-off and bend. And then last year, the Clemson co-offensive coordinator, Jeff Scott, compared you to Jadevian Clowney. So let me just say this, Brian. If you're being compared to Miles Garrett and Jadevian Clowney, usually that's a pretty good sign. Have you heard those comparisons before? 
Um, yes, I have a couple times, but the first uh, comparison I heard of uh, Miles Garrett, that was the first time I ever heard that from Coach Snyder. And then the second one, I also heard that not only from the Clemson coach, but also from my, my position coach, my freshman and sophomore year, Coach Brad Lawn uh-huh. and Coach um, Clowney. And what does so, that mean to you? That means a lot. I mean, to be compared to those dudes, they're natural freaks. I mean, like, guys like that don't aren't always around. So just being compared to them and being talked about in that same conversation means a lot. Who would you compare yourself to? There's a lot of guys. I mean, um, one of the main dudes I compare myself to is Alden Smith. Oh, I hear comparisons about is Alden Smith, Jason Taylor, uh, Leonard Floyd, a lot of long, lean guys that use their speed and length. Um, those are the main dudes I, I, I see. Um, that's pretty much it. That's good company. That is. It, Brian, company. if you can if you can duplicate the feats of some of those men, well, forget about winding up in Canton one day. That Brian Spider Burns patent, that's yeah. going to pay off then if you could duplicate yeah, some like of those guys. Say it. I need you to be the comments. I like the way you say it. When I get a sack, I need you to say it. And Brian Spider Burns, I need that. That's Here we go. Good. Let's let's give it a shot. Ready? And that's yeah. Brian Spider Burns on the sack. Yeah. <laughs> how many like of those that. how many of those sacks are we gonna roll up our rookie year, Brian? Spider Burns. I can't even tell you number, God willing. I'm gonna keep God at first and then whatever happens after that happens. And where else do we have left to visit before the draft process wraps up in Nashville, Brian? Any place else you're still scheduled to go here? Well before we tape this? Um now that I, I can't really, I don't have my schedule in front of me, but from what I remember, mm-hmm. um, I believe I'm going to Philadelphia. Um, I think I'm going to the Giants. Hmm. And I think I might be visiting the the Texans, if I'm not mistaken. That's the only three I can remember right now, but I have a lot more after that, but I don't remember them. That's a lot of frequent flyer miles. It's a lot of meals out with coaches. It's a lot of whiteboard work. It's a lot of everything, isn't it? Yes, it is a lot. It wears you out. A lot of people, they get to rookie minicamp, and it's like, man, they're just exhausted from the whole process leading up to the draft. Forget about what happens after the draft. Yeah, but my, my main thing, my brother and all the people in my corner, they've been supporting me, and they've been keeping me pretty much even kill. I don't get too high, too low, and I just don't they, don't. they don't allow me to overwhelm myself with too much information and too much things at one time. So just having them is basically making this, this load a lot lighter. Well, Brian Spider-Burns, we appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Lots of luck at the draft later this month, and good luck in your rookie season as well. Thank you. I really appreciate it, Adam. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Brian. Good luck with everything. All right. We'll be back in a moment with Clemson defensive tackle Christian Wilkins. But first, hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy and you only have to go one place to get it done, ZipRecruiter.com slash ASP. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash ASP. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash ASP. ZipRecruiter.com slash ASP. ZipRecruiter. The smartest way to hire. How would you describe this whole process that you've been through and that you continue to embark upon leading up to the draft in Nashville? Uh, it's been a busy process, you know, just traveling everywhere, like, uh, you know, meeting with teams. You, then you have your, you know, you're doing all your training. You have, you know, the combine, then you have the pro day. Then now, you know, like I said, now you're meeting with teams and everything and just doing a lot of travel. So it's been busy, but I've been having fun with it and I've been enjoying it. How do you fit the training into your life when you're, traveling from city to city meeting all these teams 
Yeah, no, it's funny because now this is the time where, like, you know, it's hard, but you're, like, you're trying to keep training on the forefront, but it's, like, tough because, like, because of all the traveling, it's hard to find places to train. I mean, there's only so much you can do in a hotel uh, gym, but, you you know, you kind of just make it work, do what you can, uh, you know, and just try to, you know, try to at least eat right, do those things, uh, you know, so you're not getting too bad out of shape or anything. How many places have you been and how many more are left, Christian? I've been to four places uh, so far, uh, and I have one more coming up next week. Of all those travels, what stands out to you most about these experiences? Uh, well, really just, um, I would say the biggest thing that stands out is just, uh, like, uh, you just get a really good sense of, you know, just like the, the NFL and what's, what's going to come. Uh, just all the things, you know, just by listening and talking to everybody, uh, that, that's involved with the pro, with the organizations and everything. Uh, they kind of just, you know, take you through the, take you, take you around, take you through the ringer a little bit and, uh, you know, just help you understand like what's, what's expected, uh, in the NFL and what's to come. So is it's there, good to get that experience. Is there any one person that you've met that you were like, wow, I can't believe I'm meeting with so and so here? Uh, not really. No, no one has, has got me like a uh, two star struck or anything like that. Um, you know, but you no, know, it's just been it's been cool. But I've gotten to meet a lot of co- good, great coaches, uh, good players, and everything as well. So now, back in high school, when you went to Suffield Academy, am I saying yep. that correctly? I said that yep. correctly, right? That's right. Yep. Were you there when Bill Belichick gave the commencement address in 2011? I was not. I was. I was. I came right the year right after. Yeah, his son graduated or whatever, maybe like a year or two before I got there, and I was there. The, I just missed it, so I started the fall after he gave his uh, speech in, in the spring. So, with your connections to that school, with you being from the Boston area, have you had any interaction with Bill Belichick or anyone from New England? Uh, yeah, I've had a little bit. I talked to some people at the combine and stuff. Uh, just you know, just just meetings and whatnot. Um, but yeah, so I've had a little interaction with them. Christian, the Clemson defensive line, lots of hype around it. I want you to give me the assessment of how each of these guys is going to fare at the NFL level and what they would bring. You know them better Uh, than anybody. Yeah, well, first of all, you're getting guys who are talented on the field, uh, you know, who's going to be able to contribute and, you know, and do their thing on the field, but also you're getting great people, uh, people who can improve your organization, uh, make those around them better. You're getting great leaders and great, you know, people who, who want to work hard and want to become pros, um, be professional at what they do. Um, you know, and, and just the Clemson guys are just different as well. You know, uh, we understand the big picture. Uh, we're, we're all about team and we're all about putting the team before ourselves. Why is that? Why are you guys different? How did that happen uh, that you put the team re- before everybody else? Well, yeah, well, really it's just started from just, you know, the culture that was established at Clemson. Uh, and I feel like you don't go to Clemson unless you want to be a part of that culture and believe in a lot of things that are being preached and taught and, uh, you know, and, Thing, and you don't you like you're not going to go there if you don't want to be a part of that. Uh, so I feel like you know guys buy in uh, and then just taking the run with it and uh, you know try to try to improve it and take it to another level. So give me the scouting report on Cleveland Farrell. Uh, well, Cleveland, I feel like he's you know a pretty complete defensive end. He can play the run uh, and he's a good good effective strong pass rusher as well. Uh, you know he he's just really efficient, twitched up. Uh, he, you know he, he can hit you with a lot of different moves, uh, attack you in a lot of different ways. Whether it's you know with the long arm quickness, great get off off the ball, uh, can can really be effective in a lot of ways. What about Dexter Lawrence? A uh, grown man. That's that's what, what comes to Dexter. Just a large human being. You know, three hundred and eighty-five pounds of just of just mean, just nasty on the on the field. Uh, he's a nice guy off the field, uh, but just on the field, he's a monster and just can destroy people. How about Austin Bryant? Yeah, Austin, same thing. Just high motor, high energy. You know, gives his best effort at all times. Long, uh, plays the run really well and can be an effective pass rusher as well. And Albert Huggins. Uh, Albert, yeah, same thing. Just really talented. He's like your typical like old school three technique. Uh, just strong. Really like he's like an ox. You know, just just really strong. Uh, plays well at the point of attack. Uh, you know, and, and can and you know he has a has a pretty effective pass rush as well. What's it going to be like for you guys to break up and go your own separate ways now, Christian? Uh, I'm sure it's going to be different, obviously, because we come so accustomed to being around each other and, you know, just, you know, and just building something special at Clemson. But, uh, you know, it's going to be fun. Uh, you know, I'll still be close friends with those guys. I'll still be tight with them. They're still going to be my brothers for life. Uh, but it's just going to be different. But uh, hopefully some of the things we were able to do and establish at Clemson, uh, you know, we could, you know, bring those good qualities and bring those good things to a team at the next level uh, and, you know, maybe create something like of our own uh, on the, with, the, with the defensive line or like the same kind of culture or dynamic at the next level as well. Now, look, we've talked about your group there at Clemson, and I always like to ask this of 
incoming NFL players, but when you look back at your college career, who was the toughest opponent that you went against that you believe is going to shine at the next level? Somebody that really left a mark on you, Christian. Uh, that I that I played against. Yes. Uh, this past year. It could be any year. Oh, okay. Any year. Uh, well, the best player I think I played while I was in college, uh, he's actually in the NFL now and doing pretty well, was James Conner. He was just a monster, and, you know, he just was a he just was complete and everything. He just – I remember that 2016 game against Pitt, he just was destroying us, and I thought he was I thought he was a great player. Wow. And how about this past year? Was there a guy that left his mark on you? Uh, well, um – And maybe it's well, not you because, again – you you won most of your individual battles, but just left an impression <laughs> on you, I should say. Let me rephrase no, that. No, definitely. No, I understand that. I got you. Well, uh, yeah, we play a lot of talented guys each and every week, so there's been a bunch, whether it's the guys from Alabama, you know, like Jonah Williams, uh, you know, Tua or Jerry Judy. Those guys are pretty good. Uh, the offensive linemen I went up against, uh, I thought were pretty good players, uh, were, was uh, Chris Lindstrom from Boston College and Garrett Bradbury from NC State. Uh, those were two two really good players as well. And what stood out about them? Uh, really, well, just those, the, those guys, well, the offensive linemen guys, those guys were just pros, uh, you know, very polished with their technique and strong. And, you know, it's a little different. You know, you know, like uh, on a weekly basis, you're not going up against talent like that. And then when you get to them, you're like, okay, like I'm in for, you know, I got, uh, you know, uh, buckle up my chin strap just a little tighter. Like these guys are coming to work. These guys are about their business. So that was always always fun competing against them because uh, it really brought out your, your best. Now, Christian, uh, you had at least a three-point grade point average in every semester at Clemson. Yep. You knocked out your master's degree in athletic leadership. Yep. You became the first scholarship player at Clemson to earn an undergraduate degree in two and a half years. And last year, you took home the William Campbell Trophy, which is really the academic Heisman. That's First correct. of all, how did you get all this work done, and what did it mean to you to win the academic Heisman? Well, I mean, just really, just it just started with just being, you know, being able to manage my time while while uh, I was in college, and just coming in with a focus, uh, you know, and and a certain mindset. Like it was important for me to, you know, be be the best football player I could be on the field, but also, you know, I'm there for a reason to get my education, uh, and you know, so that was important for me to get that degree and excel, um, you know, not just on the field but off the field as well. Um, and it was definitely a great honor to get the to get the William uh, Campbell Trophy because. Uh, you know, just understanding what the the magnitude of that award and just what it means to, uh, you know, just to win an award that holds his namesake, just learning about the type of, type of guy he was and the type of person he was. I was definitely honored to, to receive that. You have to be pretty conscientious and diligent to do what you did, graduating in two and a half years with at least a 3.0 grade point every semester at Clemson. What do you want to do? Have you got any thoughts on what you want to do post-football, Christian? Uh, yeah, definitely. I want to stay around the game, whether it's coaching or being an athletic director at a college or something, uh, uh, or also just um, you know, get staying you know around the game, just being an analyst or you know talking to continue to talk about sports. Because uh, when I'm not playing, that's all I do is uh, you know talk about sports. So being like broadcasting or sports analyst, I think would be very cool. How much broadcasting have you done before? Ever I've tried? done a little bit. I've done a little bit of stuff uh, here and there. Like I've I've co-hosted some things at uh, Clemson and whatnot, which was pretty cool. It was a fun experience. So I got a little bit there, but I definitely want to con- uh, continue to grow in that area and do a little bit more when I can, uh, just to get some experience because I because I have a lot of fun with it. Sounds like you could do this for a living if you want. That's what it sounds oh, yeah. like to me. Oh, thank you. Appreciate you. Hey, Christian. Lots of luck with the draft process. I appreciate taking some time today. Congratulations on all that you've achieved so far and all that lies ahead as well. All right. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. Thank you, Christian. And now you get a glimpse as to why these guys are as highly rated as they are, not just for their football abilities, but for the way they handle themselves. Special thanks to Clemson defensive tackle Christian Wilkins, Florida State defensive end Brian Burns, Alabama offensive tackle Jonah Williams, and LSU linebacker Devin White. And thank you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again next week when we move ever closer to the 2019 NFL Draft. Have a great week, everybody.